Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 1995 film Congo. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Hello there. Good evening. It's light in the evening. Can you believe it? I'm in the light room. You used to see me in a dark room. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is 8.30 in the evening and you can still see stuff outside. How beautiful is that? That's good. Yeah, I'm back in the uh, the conservatory, so expect to hear neighbours' dogs barking and all the other horrible noises. I like it. It adds a adds a depth and and humanity to this otherwise sterile environment of our podcast. Depth and caninity. What's the dog equivalent of humanity? That's kind dog of a deep manity. question. <laughs> dog manity. Yes, <laughs> a cross exactly. between a dog and a manity. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> That's what it is. If you cross a dog and a manity, you get a human being. Oh, the dog manity, and it's like a big manity <laughs> with a dog's face on fire. Yeah. I just made a meme. (laughs) You did. You made an an (laughs) audio meme. I'm very proud of myself. It's been a long week. You should be. I need to feel like I've achieved something. I was was, um, on annual leave for the first two days of this week, and it still feels like a long week. Oh, yes, you went away. Um, You had something of a holiday. How dare you? I had a vague holiday. I stayed overnight somewhere for two nights in a row, which counts as a holiday. Imagine that. Um, It was incredible. I uh, got to relax for two days and then come back and be stressed immediately. <laughs> so all of the good work of the holiday. Under. But it is Friday and we're going into a long weekend. It is. And you know, there's lots of good stuff to watch. There's good stuff to play. I'm on disc two of Final Fantasy VII. This is the part that people tune Very into good. for the most important update. Yeah, Obviously, I'm playing it on the Switch, so there aren't any discs anymore because it isn't actually 1997. But yeah, I'm on disc two. Does it still tell you when you move on to disc two then? It says a little message. No, it doesn't. So yeah, I'm missing out on some high quality 1997 PS1 content there. <laughs> so how do you know that you're on disc two then? Because I'm reading a walkthrough because I can't be bothered. Because I don't have time to actually discover where the things are for myself because <laughs> it would take too long. I'm 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 not doing like a walkthrough for every bit, but I'm looking at it vaguely to be like, where do I go next? Because I don't want to spend an hour moving. I don't want to spend an hour moving and playing yeah. around in the seat to try and work out where I have you, to go. That's just boring. You you don't have hundreds of hours to spend moving stuff about and wandering about trying to find things. Yeah, exactly. And the, some of the puzzles are very <laughs> tedious. It's it's amazing, but the puzzles are very boring. It does show its age. Yeah, I think is the diplomatic way to put it. It certainly does, yeah. But it, it's great, and I'm really enjoying it still. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. Disc 2. Sometimes there's a disc 2 with films, isn't there? If you buy, remember, you used to buy DVDs. Remember them? DVDs. Sometimes. Back in the day. If a like, company really wanted to squeeze a lot of money out of you, what they would do is you'd buy the film, and then there'd be like a second disc with loads of random off-cut garbage on it. Remember that? Those were the days. <laughs> You get all of the deleted scenes and making ofs and things like that, which you don't get anymore. Yeah, the commentary version, which I've I've never ever listened to that, and I honestly can't see the appeal because like it would just be like the director or the producer or whoever just talking over the film. I'm like, shut up! I want to watch the film. I've watched a couple which have been very very good. I highly recommend any Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he does the commentary on it. Okay. Is extremely entertaining because it's basically just him getting excited about the movie that he made and going, oh, look, this is the bit where I shot that guy's head off. (laughs) It's really enjoyable. (laughs) Okay, I'm open Um, to that. And I do remember back in the days of Jackass, watching the Jackass movie with the commentary from Johnny Knoxville et al. Okay. Which was entertaining. Then maybe I did watch that. Yeah. Um, the 
the thing is that sometimes you used to get really cool things. Like I remember the Blair Witch Project had a. Uh, um, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it had a fake documentary that went on TV at the same time as the Blair Witch Project came out in the theaters. Um, basically a, a, a mockumentary pretending that it was all real. And it really worked as a dovetailed storytelling device to the Blair Witch Project. And all of those kind of things are nice to have as an extra little thing. Whereas nowadays you don't get any of that depth or context or anything. You just get, here's the movie. Yeah. And then they don't even finish the movie these days because they want to make a sequel. Yeah, exactly. It just cuts off. All the movies these days, they just cut off. After two hours, <laughs> it just ends. <laughs> they just end and then they like come back for the next bit. Like June. Yeah. What was that all about? What was all that about? Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike this week's movie, no, we'd... Congo ends perfectly. <laughs> ends perfectly. Did you, did you own, enjoy did you own the DVD? I did not have it on DVD. I did have it on video when I was a kid, of course. And I remember that it used to have before the movie started. It had an advert for the Congo, t- uh, the Congo PC game. Oh no way! Um, which was like a point and click adventure game Congo Descent into Zinge it was called into what oh Zinge yeah that's like, I thought yes. you said something else there for a second um <laughs> and it was extremely extremely funny sort of sort of pre pre-rendered um stuff with like um full motion video and little terrible actors and things like that um, it looked amazing. I'm sad that I never got to play it. Did it have like low res audio samples of Tim Curry on it and stuff? <laughs> I don't think it got anybody from the film back. I think it was other people being people instead. It's funny that they went down the PC route, isn't it? Because this is the era of terrible like SNES tie-ins. I guess this is just a year or two too late for that, isn't it? Like the wave of that in the sort of '92 to '94 area where every video game had a terrible SNES adaptation. There's a golden age in many ways. Yeah, but I mean, there was, there was also a lot of PC games as well made of the same thing. Um, and, you know, maybe they decided that Congo was too highbrow for uh, a, a SNES adaptation. <laughs> too highbrow for the eight-year-olds who were playing <laughs> yeah. Mario 3. They, yeah. they wouldn't get it. They wouldn't get a talking gorilla. No. Um, so, so, yes, I had this on video. I watched it on video a fair bit. Um, it's worth saying what Congo is. So Congo is one of Michael Crichton's books before Jurassic Park. So he was already a big deal because he'd done the Andromeda Strain, he'd done, you know, he'd done Sphere, etc. before Jurassic Park came out. But this is one of those pre-Jurassic Park books of his. So he wrote this before Jurassic, he wrote Jurassic Park. A full decade before. So Jurassic Park was 1990 and this was 1980. Wow. Um, So this was an early, well, not early because he was writing in the 60s, wasn't he, Michael Crichton? He's an old guy. It was, uh, uh, was, he died, didn't he? Oh, he's dead. I thought, I don't know why, I thought he was still alive. No, you're right, he died in 2008. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, R.I.P. But yeah, so so it's one of his books. Um, It does have the dangers of technology sort of in it yeah. which is often a, or dangers of science which is one of the things that often comes up in his works yeah um are you a fan of michael Crichton? yeah yeah every, everything i i wouldn't say i've seen i've never read any of his books so i wouldn't say i've seen loads of his films but every one of them i've seen i like you know, and you can't argue with jurassic park can you even if you're not sure about the rest of his work jurassic park is just a masterpiece isn't it yes yeah um, I have read a few of his things. Um, also worth noting that Westworld is one of my favourite movies of all time, which he wrote and directed, um, which is a, a wonderful film. Um, love Westworld. So good. Um, one of those great prototypes of various other movies that came after it. Um, his works are often a lot darker than the adaptations. Mm. I've never read Congo because the movie is perfect. And why would I want to mess with that? Um, but Jurassic Park, the novel, is a lot darker, and particularly the sequel to that, The Lost World that he wrote, is a lot darker than the movie that eventually came out. Um, I've also read Prey, which is the one about nanorobots and artificial intelligence, um, which is quite cool. I remember enjoying that. Um, How does it relate I'd- to the very tedious age of AI that we're living in now? <laughs> Much more exciting. 
um, less um, less stuff about um, terrible art and music and stuff like that, and and more to do with nanobots taking over people and replacing them. Oh, um, it's it's a cool book. I seem to remember. I'm surprised we haven't had a movie adaptation because I know they've been trying to make a movie of it for years and years and years and years. Um, I would like to see a film of it at some point because it is quite a cool book. Hmm. Um, and then there's Sphere, which is the other one that I've read of his. So I've read three of his books, which has a weird spaceship under the ocean. And I love an under the ocean thing. It's one of the tropes of storytelling. Under the sea. Exactly. Imagine the Little Mermaid, but in reverse and scary. <laughs> <laughs> so the prince goes under the sea instead of the mermaid coming out of the sea. Yeah, and finds a weird spherical spaceship thing. Right. Um, it's cool. It's cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I love anything that's underwater. If it's if people go underwater and then bad things happen, that's one of my favourite story tropes. I love it. It's the way to your heart. Absolutely, underwater and bad things happen. Into space and bad things happen. To the Arctic and bad things happen. Great. I'm there all the way. It doesn't matter if it's rubbish. I'm going to love it. Loves that scene in the Phantom Menace where he says, "There's always a bigger fish." exactly exactly as soon as he did that i was like yes thank you george lucas i'm in (laughs) so so congo is one of the forgotten i suppose michael Crichton works whereas things like the andromeda strain or jurassic park of course or sphere as well um and then he had some other ones like timeline and state of fear etc that also um were were big um, and Congo is kind of one of the ones that's maybe forgotten about, possibly for good reason, given how weird the story is. <laughs> Basically trying to do a um, Alan Quatermain, King Solomon's Mines type story. And he said that, didn't he? That he was like he was directly influenced by King Solomon's Mines, which I know is, another, is also the way to your heart. <laughs> yes. Um, less so the incredibly racist book more so the terrible movie adaptations from the 80s slash 90s um which i adore um but yeah it's it's a it's a really strange story that's a mixture of tech is bad science is bad and capitalism is bad versus and apes are good killer apes are also bad <laughs> but friendly apes are good um so you get this weird blend don't you of Killer ape movie, jungle adventure movie, um, a mystery around lost technology, and a volcano exploding. Yeah, it's got it all, really, when you think about it. <laughs> and it's got a lot of human intrigue as well, hasn't it? You know, it does. They get to the does. jungle and they're immediately arrested. You know, there's there's all of these these kind of sort of competing factions, aren't there? I quite enjoy the human side of it as well as everything else. Yes, yeah. So so the plot is there's um some some companies doing some research, they're trying to make a big old laser for 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 communication somehow. Um and there's diamonds and, involved somehow. And there's diamonds involved. Um and the the expedition that's gone out to go and find them goes quiet, goes goes missing. So out goes Laura Linney, uh we stan on this podcast. Yeah. We stan Laura. Your fave. I think I think she's fantastic. I don't think I like her as much as you, maybe, just because she's one of your all time faves. But yeah, she's great. And she, yeah, and she's brilliant. Um uh, Laura Linney is from this company and hijacks another expedition to be able to go and investigate this. The expedition that she hijacks is itself a double cross in its own right so the the noble innocent part of this expedition is this fella has a a a gorilla who he's taught how to use a talk box uh by doing sign language so you've basically got a talking gorilla yeah with this kind of bionic arm robotic voice thing yes amy the gorilla um and uh They've decided that they want to take her back to the jungle and reintegrate her into um, into into some uh, a little gorilla family. They are being bankrolled by <laughs> Tim Curry, <laughs> who appears at exactly the right time, just when they need money. He just kind of walks up to the plane and is like, "Hi," and goes, "Hello, I've got money. I'm an I'm Eastern European man with lots of money." 
<laughs> and he has this outrageous Romanian accent. Um, and, uh, and... Malka. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you were making this now, you wouldn't get away with that, would you? But it doesn't come across you as like outright racist, does it? No, no. It's nearly there, but I think the movie is such a corny yarn that it kind of gets away with it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in 1995, it was a different time, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and so he's actually going off to find the lost city of Zinj, King Solomon's <laughs> lost diamond city. Yeah. Um, so so he's going there, not for the goodness of his heart, but he's going to try and hijack this to try and find uh, the lost city. It just so happens that actually all of their stories intertwine and actually they're all going back to the same place anyway. Um, so off they go on their expedition. There they meet somehow, even though Tim Curry is in this movie, he's not the best character in it because Ernie Hudson is in this yeah. film as Captain Monroe Kelly. Friend of the podcast, Ernie Hudson. Yeah. Who <laughs> would get that- a lifetime pass for his performance in The Crow alone, obviously. But <laughs> Ab- Absolutely. Um, he has said, by the way, that playing this character is the personal favourite of his career. Oh, really? When you think about who else he's played over the course of his career is a genuine achievement. And I can see why, because he's basically the most suave, swashbuckling hero of any movie ever made. (laughs) He basically introduces himself as the great white hunter who also happens to be black. (laughs) And from that moment on, you know, this is going to be a great character. He's a cigar-smoking, machine-gun-toting mercenary in the middle of the jungle, and he's perfect. Um, And then he leads them off on this expedition, um, and chaos ensues basically this is one of the silliest films i think i've ever seen truly truly goofy and silly yeah but at at the same time it takes itself seriously enough that it sort of has an air of not being totally stupid doesn't it it's 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 trying to get to a higher place isn't it it is and i think that's um that's a big part of why it's enjoyable is that if it leaned too much into being extremely silly and stupid, this is a movie about a talking gorilla who leads people to a lost city of diamonds. Where there are lots of um, angry bad gorillas who attack. Yes. And eat Tim Curry after he dies. Yep. Um, oh, yeah, there's there's there, there's lots of terrible, terrible gorillas. Um, if, if, it, if it tried to be like a Sharknado-y type affair, it would be terrible. But actually, the fact that it doesn't... It it tries to have this gravitas around it, I think elevates it to a new level of enjoyability, doesn't it? Yeah, and what's really interesting about this is usually with this kind of film, we lean towards saying, well, it's not goofy enough, and it takes itself too seriously, and it should just go full goof. So this is an example of where kind of gravitas and goof are perfectly balanced which i think is quite a rare thing Mm. this is the spinning top from inception (laughs) which way is it gonna fall (laughs) it is perfectly balanced you could watch it forever and it would never fall yeah um that that's where this movie's at i highly (laughs) highly recommend people watch this film regardless of the scores we give it at the end because you're never going to see a movie quite like this. Ernie Hudson was in Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror. Are you aware of this? <laughs> I I am aware of Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror. I've never seen I it. I have seen it. Weirdly, it was like the summer of 2007, and I was recording an EP um, at a friend's house, and we went off to we went off to get the video shop to rent something, and we saw Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror, and we were like, that looks terrible, let's rent it. And it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I bet we should watch that sometimes. We really should. And Ernie Hudson and Billy D. Williams. Wow, amazing! That does sound fantastic. We'll get around to it. Maybe in, yeah, <laughs> Halloween month. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> where, where were we? Sorry, that. Uh, sorry to derail it with Ernie Hudson's very good filmography, which also includes Beverly Hills Chihuahua Two. Oh, I love it, but not Beverly Hills Chihuahua One. Oh, he was hmm. he was around for the superior one because it's obviously yeah. going to be superior if he's in it. Yeah. Oh, and Beverly Hills Two Hour Three, Viva La Fiesta. So he returned for the third one, did he? Yeah. Very good. Very good. 
um so yeah so this movie is a, a whole lot of fun really worth really worth watching um i think what really drives it is it's almost got a sort of indiana jones-esque sort of structure of jumping from one bit of adventure to the next doesn't it yeah i think it's very much trying to use the the established formula of those films whilst also being faithful i assume to the michael Crichton source text and also trying to not just copy that either yeah so i know from a synopsis that it's generally the same story right um i don't i don't know the ins and outs of it but um but yeah it generally follows the same the same plot um and and yeah what's interesting is that it is more of it's less of a jurassic park and more of an indiana jones i suppose is the way to think yes i i think that is a fair assessment but there is still a shared sensibility with jurassic park as as you'd expect in terms of the sort of the way it sets up adventure and the way that the people interact is less kind of i'm looking for some hokey stuff in a desert and there's monkey brains and nazis like it's, we're actually on a serious expedition here and i'm also tim curry from romania <laughs> and also tim curry from romania yeah um yeah i think that that's that's fair to say um what what's interesting is that whereas jurassic park has the sort of schmaltzy moments of human interaction between the kids and alan grant for instance when you gotta go you gotta go <laughs> here it is dylan walsh who is the science man with with amy the gorilla and amy the gorilla together that's where the schmaltz comes in is is her trying to communicate and integrate herself with a bunch of gorillas he's the cheerful science man he's always happy he is yes do you know dylan walsh from other stuff i vaguely recognized him but i honestly don't know if i could tell you any of his other films so he yeah i've not really watched much else that he's been in um i know that he was in nip tuck which is a show about medical people that's one of those medical people shows that i will never ever watch (laughs) exactly it had its people didn't it like gray's anatomy yeah the great gray's anatomy casualty (laughs) handsome doctor Holby, holby city or unhandsome doctor shows, as the case would be with the British ones. <laughs> Do you, did you ever used to watch Casualty when you no, were growing I didn't watch up? Casualty. You were too busy reading Come on. books when you were a kid. Uh, yeah, I was too busy reading books. Yeah. Reading James Joyce and going, oh, how droll. <laughs> what, a, what a yarn, what a hoot. <laughs> no, I actually don't care for James I Joyce. I find Dublin as shallow and pedantic, personally. Yeah. That kind of thing, I imagine. Yeah, of course. Take me on to the Silmarillion. <laughs> um, yeah, so so he's been in some bits and bobs over the years, and yeah, he he's this kind of jovial character in it, um, and so you do kind of get this this sort of tonal whiplash between Laura Linney's story of my the person who I nearly married is um, is probably dead, but now I've got to go into the jungle to to find to find them versus oh i've got a cute talking gorilla friend and i've got to try and bring it home <laughs> and there is this yeah. weird this weird mixture of the sweetness and then suddenly it will shift around to a gorilla has ripped someone's eye out and ripped off somebody's head <laughs> and it's just this really weird switch of tone that just seems to happen out of nowhere a few times over the course of the movie yeah, and the, the, when there needs to be action, when, as the Raymond Chandler thing goes that I mentioned before, when there need, a man needs to come through the door with a gun in his hand, it happens. Or when some guys need to come down in a biplane and start shooting at them, you know, it happens. Uh, yeah, what's the um, what's the um, Alfred Hitchcock quote? Oh, a um, ticking bomb under the table. Yeah, an angry gorilla under the table. Yeah. That's... <laughs> That's the one. An angry gorilla in the phone booth. (laughs) Speaking of of angry gorillas, that does remind me of um, of, uh, a really wonderful video game, by the way. I don't know if you've ever heard of Ape Out. No. So Ape Out, you are a gorilla in a um, like science facility. And you break out 
but then what happens is it's got like a jazz soundtrack and then whenever you destroy someone with your powerful gorilla hands it then like adds in percussion and stuff to the soundtrack so it's got this kind of organic soundtrack of jazz that grows as you go on a chaotic rampage as a gorilla nice it's like one of the most fun games i've ever played played in my life it's extremely good how when when was it released uh only a few years ago it must have been 2019 2020 Oh, this this isn't like a janky PlayStation One classic. This is a recent. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's genuinely smart and fun. I imagine um, this is a sort of um, piss take of Donkey Kong, released in the late nineties, early two thousands, and the, the DK heyday, just as a kind of piss take. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, yeah, it's a, a genuine loving, uh, loving game about being a gorilla on a rampage. Brilliant. And I would highly, you know, I would highly recommend. <laughs> of course, there, there was Ape Escape on the PlayStation. That sounds familiar. Where you had a, a a net and you had to try and catch some escape tapes. Yeah, that sounds that's boring. <laughs> it's far better to be the ape escaping than the yeah. person catching the escape tapes. Be the ape. That's you that's, want to that's see my philosophical quote of the uh, of the episode. Yeah, we'll clip that one out of context, and that'll be the one that does the rounds on TikTok. I'll turn on my camera just to do it, so you get the the clip. Another white boy with a podcast. <laughs> have you seen that? Um, what, on the, Instagram, um... have you seen the? I think the band, it's the real band. I think they're called Bumbag, and they do they find these clips from like all the really stupid bro podcasts that are out there, and they'll find like the stupidest clip of some idiot guy talking about crypto or whatever. <laughs> and there's a little song called that they just append to it. Another white boy with a podcast. Ooh, oh, okay. crypto Jim Bro. I'll, I'll send you a link. It's very, very good. I don't like their band name though. Bumbag. Yeah, I don't like that. For like a name. silly joke band though, that's all right, isn't it? Mm, it feels too knowing for my liking. <laughs> yeah. a You're a man name. who has has knowledge of the bumbag. <laughs> Should have a proper name for their joke band. <laughs> Your silly Instagram joke band. Yeah. Like, but uh, like what I'm saying is our aim should be that we, we get so big that they we then get the piss taken out of of, of us in oh, one of their I see. videos. I see. Oh we should we should aim for the stars then. I'll start getting into crypto. Yeah, start talking about NFTs. Newts, <laughs> yeah. frogs and toads. So, who is your favourite character then, or what are your favourite character moments? Tim in- Tim Curry still stole the show for me. I know sure. it's 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 obvious, but he was so silly, but so fun as well. And just like every time he's on screen in anything, you can tell he's just having such a great time, and that he's really reveling in it, and that he's really into it. And I just think he's such a fantastic actor that he's just a joy to watch in anything. But yeah, he really really made me chuckle, and I, I really wish he'd had a, just a bit more screen time actually. Yeah, he's he's a whole lot of fun in this. This is one of my favourite Tim Curry performances. It's, yeah, he's really enjoyable. And also the way that the other characters bounce off him is really good. Um, there's that wonderful scene with the angry army captain who tells him to stop eating his sesame cake. Yeah. Which is one of the funniest scenes in the film. Um, uh, uh, he's called a big bag of shit by that same army captain. <coughs> Very good. Um, and the, the 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 back and forth between him and Munro, uh, Ernie Hudson's character, is is extremely good in this film. I think. Yeah. And but I also actually did really like Dylan Walsh as the kind of the emotional relief from all of the. Just when you thought it was getting a bit too sort of action hero silly, then you do get a bit of relief from that, don't you? It does give then get go back to the emotional depth, but then you get a line like, "Are you serving that ape a martini?" <laughs> yep or or the 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 ape being given a cigar or eating a drugged banana yeah there's a whole lot of hilarious ape moments in in this film and when you first see them it's him and his mate and it sort of feels a bit like two men and an ape baby doesn't it <laughs> yeah you could tom you could, Selleck to walk through the door it's the um what's the uh clint eastwood one any which way but loose with him and the orangutan oh that's right yeah i've never seen that they're very good fun, I seem to remember. I watched them as a kid. I don't remember anything about them apart from Clint Eastwood's best friend as an orangutan. 1978 um, film, blow me. You don't get enough movies like that these days, do you? 
No, I think um, I think Dunstan checks in, just kind of set the bar <laughs> too high in 1996. No one has topped it since. It just destroyed the entire... It was so bad that it destroyed the entire ape movie industry. Yeah. Um, or like even, even best friend is dog movies aren't as fun as they used to be. Like where's Turner and Hooch? Where's this generation's Turner and Hooch? Instead we've got Marley and Me where you cry. Or Call of the Wild where you cry. Or Slumdog Millionaire. <laughs> Why <cry>. you cry? <laughs> I can't even think of a third. Puchinski. Puchinski, where you cry with laughter, or cry at the fact it never got turned into a full series. Yeah. Randall and um, Hopkirk Dog Ceased. <laughs> there it. is that one with um, what's his face from um, from Twenty One Jump Street, Channing Tatum. He's oh yeah, movie, it's just called he? Dog. It's called Dog, isn't it? Which we should watch <laughs> yeah. at some point. I have wanted to watch that for a while. Yeah, yeah, we should we should watch that at some point because I need to know if maybe that is a resurgence of the dog film. Yeah, I certainly hope it is. I certainly hope it is. I think the problem is that now that with Call of the Wild we've seen that a man can play a dog, no one's impressed by a real dog anymore, are they? They're like, give me Dog Man. But the thing is, I would always have much rather had a real dog. Than than the man dog, than the yeah the the weird limbed <laughs> smooth dog in Call of the Wild <laughs> yeah or 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 looking at Congo I'd rather have someone dressed up as an ape than a CGI ape you know what that's something I did want to highlight was that I thought the practical effects in this film were fantastic yeah and that there was very really little good. CGI and then then it's, you got almost to the to the very end of the film and then. They had a bit of janky, like, lava CDI that looked like a, a bit sort of, like, PS1 graphics, didn't it? Shall we talk about the end of this movie in specifics? Yes, it, because it it's really... climaxes in just a, a really, really fantastic, epic it, way, doesn't it? It's really worth talking about. So they find the, like, central hub of King Solomon's mines where all the diamonds are. They find the and lost it, city of Zinj. And it also happens to be where all of the evil gorillas live in these little caves. And it turns out they bred them to be evil and to defend the city and that they they turned on their masters, but they still collect can they still protect the city. They protect yes. they attack. But most of all yeah. They a tasty snack. Yeah. Um, so, so they, um, yeah. So, so that's the basic plot: is the the people of the lost city of Zinj they they crossbred gorillas to create evil guard gorillas to keep out intruders. But then eventually, these gorillas decided to kill everybody anyway. But they still live there, um, and they make it to the middle. They make it to the mine where there's all the diamonds around. Um, but obviously, that then <laughs> results in a big old firefight where nearly everybody dies including tim curry r.i.p um but <laughs> yeah then, which is a shame the very sad moment but then when everything seems at its worst laura linney pulls out the laser gun thing that they were using for um for communications purposes somehow puts a new diamond in it and starts shooting gorillas with a laser gun yeah. Whilst saying we're going to put them on the endangered species list. <laughs> the whole film has just been building up to that one moment. It's literally, because it? it does have this quite good, although there's these tonal shifts between the more calm moments and the, the tension, um, it is quite sort of tense building up and the violence that's in it is is sometimes almost shock shocking you know you see a head mm. get thrown at somebody yeah um, and There's then like bloodied eyeballs and stuff yeah and then it turns into just this comic book movie at the end where laura linney is shooting gorillas with a laser gun and then <laughs> then the 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 volcano explodes and lava starts pouring in and you see all of these evil gorillas fall into the lava and burn up in terrible CGI. Yeah. <laughs> Truly iconic. Truly iconic moments in this. And film. then sort of two minutes later, they're just away from the lava and it's all fine and like bucolic with all the apes. And yeah, then it's back to the like nice ape going back to her family thing. Yeah. And then they, they get in a um, hot air balloon. And they fly off in a hot air balloon. Yeah. And do they throw the diamond off the hot air balloon? And they do. Yeah, yeah that's right. 
Um, and so it's really something, the end of this film. It does sort of come out of nowhere. Yeah, but at the same time, it doesn't feel wrong, does it? It, feel, no, it, it feels, feels like oh an appropriate so right. climax. It's just it's like, oh, exa- now here we are at the city, and now everything's happening. Okay. It's, yeah. ex- it, it's exactly what needed to happen in this film. And that's it, what like Marvel movies are like now, isn't it? Suddenly everything's happening. <laughs> I don't I think any Marvel up. movie has had Laurel Linney shooting people with a laser gun. More's the pity. Yeah, we need more Laura Linney shooting people with a laser gun. Where was that in Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Just imagine if, if Avengers Endgame Part 2, Thanos has his big old gold fist. I've never seen it. So I is that what he has? A gold he's, fist? I, don't, I a, honestly don't even know who Thanos is. So Thanos is a big blue man from space. He's really grumpy and he wants to control the universe. So and Dr. Has, Manhattan... <laughs> no, because Dr. Manhattan doesn't want to do that. He doesn't know what he wants to no, do. No, he's a sad man. He's a sad man on Mars with his dick out. <laughs> that's that's Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> Take him to church. <laughs> he's been barking like a dog on a Saturday night. Um, <laughs> Dogs haven't been barking tonight yet. You're good. No, no, lucky. exactly. Um, and uh, <laughs> what's I going to say? Yeah, so so he's a big blue man from space, um, and he has got this big old golden glove, and when he sticks enough diamonds on it, or gems on it, he can then grant wishes like a genie. And right, okay. what he does in the movies, as far as I've been made aware, is he just yeets 50% of the population of the galaxy to death. dusts them he's like i will depopulate and solve everything in the universe see so that's just stupid that is so stupid i know i know come come at me marvel people there's probably a (laughs) bunch of context that makes it good or whatever if you've seen 20 of the films no that's dumb like let's compare that to star wars right destroying one planet with one laser that the scale of that is perfect, isn't it? Because that's like, oh my god, they can destroy an entire planet. But that's why in the rise, the rise of Skywalker, it was rubbish because it was like they just destroyed ten planets in a row, and you're like, they've they've overdone it now. Less is more. Yeah, right? at, at a certain point, the scale actually diminishes the emotional impact. Yeah, um, and I think that's kind of the problem, isn't it, with that kind of thing. Um, the other thing to to bear in mind here is that he's a big blue man, which is just inherently funny. <laughs> but you, you get all of these people saying, oh, well, maybe Thanos was right because of things like overpopulation and making sure oh, we've got resources. Like, No, the problem's so capitalism, lads. And I know that your Marvel movies don't like doing anything political, but the problem's capitalism. The problem is that everything's political. <laughs> Everything is political. Congo's political. Of course it is. Shall we talk about racism? Because Liberate the apes. Well, yeah. This movie's kind of racist. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's probably worth pointing out. It's a very... In- it was from a book written in 1980, a film made in 1985 by a white man with an inevitably, you know, Western perspective of Africa. Yeah. Right? There's, a, there's a lot of it that is not handled well. Whose who's literal inspiration is one of the most racist books of its time period. Yeah. Um... And its time period was the late 1800s. So just to put that into perspective, an English Victorian white man's at the time racist novel, at the time when Britain was even more racist than it is now, um, somehow even more racist than it is now, um, that was the inspiration for this book. And so you get a lot of, and I, I, I assume that the novel is even more unconsciously racist because... I believe that Munro's character in the book is white. Right, okay. So he is basically Alan Quatermain. Um right. whereas in the book in in the film at the very least Ernie Hudson is black. <laughs> but but at the same time, who survives this film? None of the people from Congo survive. No, of course not. It's the white saviors. It's the the white saviors are the ones who survived this movie and there's a lot of um you know, th- there's a lot of that kind of... It's Laura Linney who gets to blast the apes with a laser. Yeah. There, there's an awful lot of that kind of racist subtext to this film, which 
based on the source material, I don't think they could avoid. No. And, you know, I, I thought it might have been worse, actually. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse than it is, but it is... I don't think it's overtly racist, but it's not no. great. No, but it but it ties into those same tropes about Africa and the same tropes about white supremacy that often do play a part in these kind of adventure stories. So a warning beforehand that, yeah, you're going to notice some dodgy shit in this film, as enjoyable as it is. It's, uh, yeah, it doesn't, the, the narrative around it is yeah. not very good. Yeah, and you know, go watch it, go, go into it, knowing that it's, it is what it is. It's from a different time period and based on source material that has those kind of origins. But it's not overtly racist. Yeah, yeah, worth, worth um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not overtly racist. Um, but it, yeah, it, it is problematic, which is going to get me cancelled by by saying that. I'm yeah. going to get lots of blue tick chuds on Twitter coming after me. GB News are going to do a feature on They're how we're trying like, to cancel oh, Congo. We're woke, trying to censor these this. Woke, <laughs> these woke moralists. Oh, wait, no, hold on. That's what um, that's what Kermit the Frog says, isn't it? These yeah. woke moralists are coming for Congo, my favourite movie. Laura Lily can't, can't even they... blast the apes with a laser anymore. <laughs> Not that she should do, because we all know we all know that shooting a laser is the role of a man. Something I learned when I was in a Russian hospital, having been hospitalized for eating too much meat. <laughs> no, it's gonna be there's gonna be thirty minutes on this from Lawrence Fox on GB News <laughs> saying they're gonna cut the scene where they serve the ape a martini. You can't can't do anything anymore. Because of this, I'm only going to drink martinis with apes from now on. <laughs> I sh- I would have been cast. I would have been cast in a remake of Congo if it wasn't for these woke moralists ruining the art of cinema. Because I am genuinely a good actor, and I didn't get where I am because of who I am. Yeah, I'm definitely not washed up and on GB News <laughs> because I can't get any acting roles. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, have you ever watched anything with Lawrence Fox in? Hell no. <laughs> I hope I never will. But you just know in... that we'll be 450 episodes into this show and suddenly we'll watch something and he'll crop up in the background and we'll have to delete the episode and <laughs> <laughs> remove the evidence. You say that, but did you know that he has a minor role in Gosford Park? Oh, then I have. <laughs> God damn it. He's like 20 people down the order of that film and oh. I never knew that he was in it until I literally watched it. Uh, look, looked it up um, but yeah apparently he's got a role in Gosford Park he's also in the movie The Hole which is an interesting film I don't know if you know about no, The Hole not Holes with no not Holes Shia LaBeouf um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, The Hole is um, there's some kids at a British private school they find an underground bomb shelter and they decide that they're going to go hang out there rather than... I can't. It's something like rather than go home for the holidays or rather than go away on an overnight trip, they decide to go into the bunker instead. And it stars Kira Knightley, Thora Birch, and then Lawrence Fox is one of these, these posh Brits, unsurprisingly, because he didn't actually have to act, did he, to play a, a posh British person. No. Um, and obviously bad things happen because they go down into an underground bunker. It's, it's not a good film, but it is a film. It's it's a film that exists. Yeah. Maybe we should watch uh, the film where he plays Hunter Biden that came out last year. Oh, God. I also can't imagine st- anything worse. Also I realize I've starring, seen him in something, but I have no memory of him, which is Matt Berry's ADBC, A Rock Opera from 2004. Have ah, you ever seen that? Okay. I have not, no. It's like a, a piss take of, um, of Jesus Christ Superstar, basically. But it's very funny. Right, okay. No, I've not watched it. Oh, I have also watched Death Watch before. That's a horror movie set in World War One, starring Jamie Bell. Oh. I do not remember him in this movie whatsoever. That that says a lot about Lawrence Fox and his ability to act. That his face appears to be on the poster. <laughs> I with do a, not. a face behind it that looks a bit like Red 13. <laughs> <laughs> I do not remember him being in any of these movies that I've watched that says so much about his ability to act that he left such an impression but no he plays hunter biden in the movie my son hunter which was made by a bunch of other weird right-wing assholes including gina carano she's in it because that's the only acting gig she can get since she went off on a massive um bigoted anti-vax rant 
I mean, you, you, you've got to, you've, you've, you've really got to mess up to be yeeted out of Disney. Yeah. You know? Um, did have, have you watched Mandalorian enough to know what they've done about her character no longer existing? No. I've, I've seen, like, the first two episodes. Okay. So you've not even seen her in The Mandalorian, then? No, I haven't, no. Mm, you should watch it. It is good. And also the episodes are only, like, half an hour long. So you yeah. can watch it. I'll get around to it. <laughs> no, you won't. No, I've got too many monkey films to watch. <laughs> um, okay, oh, so this this ADBC also stars Julian Barrett and Matt Lucas and Richard Ayade. Oh, it's got a really good cast. It's a Matt Berry classic. Yeah, I've never heard of this before in my life. Directed by Richard Ayade. Yeah. Hmm, I'll have to find this and watch it. I wonder what it's on. But anyway, anyway, so so Congo, Congo. sort of racist. Um, Lawrence Fox would love it, apart from he can't love anything that's enjoyable, so he probably wouldn't. He'd probably be annoyed that that, that Laura Linney shoots things, because a woman shouldn't do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. A woman should never shoot a laser at apes. And why, why are they being kind to this ape that can speak with a voice box? Surely we should not be nice to any animals, because climate change isn't real. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes there's a couple of other people in this that I like by the way we've got Joe Don Baker who you might recognise as the guy in Goldeneye who's like the American agent oh yeah um, who also turns up in Mars Attacks as well nice um, so we got him we've also got the guy who plays Richard Grant Heslov Grant Heslov who, who you will recognise from Various bits and pieces, including Dante's Peak. I think it's Dante's Peak, or is it the other? With Bronholm. Or, or, yeah. I, is is it that one, or is it the other volcano movie which came? Oh out? no, it is. It is Dante's Peak. It's Dante's called? Peak. It's literally called Volcano. <laughs> I've just remembered. <laughs> the one with Tommy Lee Jones, That's where right. the volcano goes off in in LA. I have seen that. It's hotter than hell. That's the tagline of the film. <laughs> Have you seen Volcano? Yeah, yeah. I think it's I remember watching that movie. at school, like on a Saturday night. When we weren't, we weren't old film. enough to have booze, but we would have we could have a lot of crisps and coke, and we were all off our heads <laughs> and laughing at the TV. <laughs> One of the best movies ever. I love Vol- Volcano movies in general. Are brilliant. Let's be honest. Yeah. So it says he, What's your yeah, favourite volcano? Dante, movie? He was in Dante's Peak. It says sure. Dante's Peak what, is, you, is Dante's Peak has got to be the the best one. It's, it's Pierce Brosnan. There's there's no contest. Surely <laughs> it's true. It's true. Isn't there? What's the one with the, there's a recent one? Isn't there with Jason Isaacs and a volcano? I mean, we've got Pompeii. Oh, oh that is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love Pompeii. <laughs> oh, that was an awful shit piece. <laughs> Skyfire. Skyfire. What is this? I haven't seen it. It's a 2019 Chinese disaster action film about a volcanic eruption at a resort. It's all um, Chinese actors, but then Jason Isaacs is in it. Oddly. I want to watch this film. Just looking at the screenshots. The film is China's first big budget disaster film. I'm on this. I'm on this. I've got to find this film and watch it. I thought that yeah, this would be up your up your street. It absolutely is up my street. Um, we've also got, of course, um, a movie that came out recently that I've been meaning to watch called Fire of Love. I've not heard of Do that. You know about Fire of Love? It's a documentary about um, boring two <laughs> about two volcanologists, Katya and Maurice Craft. Um, Isn't and- a volcanologist someone who loves Star Trek? Or studies Star Trek. <laughs> that's a Klingologist. Oh yeah, that's right. Sorry, sorry, Star Trek fans. Don't don't beat me up, Patrick Stewart. Beam gonna, me up instead. He's going to come for you. <laughs> um, which I've been meaning to watch because apparently it's really really good and huh. kind of sad. That sounds like a good concept. Yeah. So it's just it just follows their their lives, their lives and their careers. Um, so yeah, I, I do need to watch that at some point. I wonder if it's on anything. I have to watch that. But Skyfire is top of the table for me. 
There's also a Werner Herzog documentary. Oh, yeah. Volcanoes on Netflix. Is, are we planning a volcano month? Is, is that, is that oh, what, what's happening? What? Volcanoon. <laughs> Can we? Can we watch Dante's Peak, Volcano, <laughs> Skyfire, and one of these documentaries? Is that it's very, very do? silly. But is it any worse than Sandloon? Or I mean, Schneidloon probably, was the one that followed. Schneidloon. I mean, it's better than it's better than Schnoon. Can we? Can we? Has do... it really been a whole year almost since we tortured ourselves with a month of Rob Schneider films? I, it has, hasn't it? It's outrageous. Um, okay, let's do it. Unless there's a movie you really, really, really want to watch next, let's do Volcano Month. There kind of is, but no, let's let's do Volcano Month. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to sure? do the, the good time I've been threatening you with for a long time. I was going to make you watch Dunstan Checks In as a monkey follow-up, but I think I think you've dodged the bullet. <laughs> what should we do? Or I was going to give you the choice, actually. I was going to say, do you want a monkey film, a dog film, or a cat film? Oh, that's a tough choice. What would have been the dog film and the cat film? The dog film would have been dog. Okay. Good. And the cat film would have been Garfield, two thousand and four. <laughs> so think of all, all this smorgasbord of all the rubbish you could have had. Well, maybe we could do Volcano Month and then do Animal Month <laughs> after that. <laughs> so it's Vulcanoon and Animalai. Animalai. I gotta stop <laughs> trying to make that work. Um, yeah, let's do that because then, yeah, we can watch Dog, we can watch Garfield, we can watch Dunstan checks in, and that's such and, a good spread of animal films. And another one, we'll have to find what 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 animals have we missed out? Or do we, we do Puss in that Puss in Boots one that's supposed to be good? We could do all. <laughs> we could do a Puss in. Month. We could do a Puss. We could do a Puss in Boots month and watch all of them. Are, are there the, four? Are there enough to fill a whole month? <laughs> thing is that I've. <laughs> I um It's gonna be the month that I turned thirty-five years old and this is what we're doing. <laughs> I I have been tempted to suggest that we watch all of the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies. Oh my god. So we could we Alvin could... and the Chipmunk. Oh that's too good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> Volcano oh, no. Vulcanoon Animal Eye <laughs> And then for my birthday month, Alvin and the Chip month. Oh my god! We planned out our whole content calendar for the year. This feels like work, but it feels like it's getting getting done, which is good. And if we we can tap out at any moment if we can't handle it anymore. But I think there are four Alvin and the Chipmunk movies as well. Yeah, there's the Squeakquel. Yeah, there's Alvin. Then there's the Squeakquel. Then there's um, the Road Chip. The road chip, that's right. Chipwrecked. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that that's four. Yeah. And this, we are talking the what live action in inverted comedies ones, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, the one, not the, one the actual with my cartoon name is ones that are good. The the one with my name is L. Yeah, in. yeah. That's what. Okay, okay, that's what we're doing. Jason right? Earl. Yeah. So. <laughs> So, so okay, so right, so that's agreed then. So, Volcano Month, which is going to be the last month where we probably watch consistently enjoyable films for for a long time. <laughs> then, then Animal, and then Animal Eye, yeah, and then Alvin and the Chip Month. <laughs> that's so good. I can't that's, wait to get there. That's 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 going to happen. It's the now. best birthday I'm, present you could ask for. Yeah, that my, I, I'm very excited about my my birthday month being made up of Alvin and the Chipmunks movies. Um, yeah, okay, no, I'm down. I'm down with this. I'm game. Let's do it. Let's do Brilliant. it. And then we don't, ha- we don't have to think about any other movies to watch until September. <laughs> That's true, actually, because it's always tough, isn't it, trying to pick a film? Yeah, okay, there we go. We've got it all planned out. Okay, I, hope, which... I hope all our listeners are very excited to watch Alvin and the Chipmunks with us. Guys, I hope you like volcanoes. Just the first <laughs> off. If you don't like volcanoes, it's gonna, June is going to be a, t- a tough month for you. <laughs> so which volcano film are we going to do first? Should we do Volcano first, or should we do Dante's Peak first? Oh, I don't know. No, let's do Dante's Peak because it's when it's known. Oh, just, both of them are known to be good, aren't they? But no, I, I, yeah, let's do let's do Dante's like Peak. Some, we need some Bronham. Some Bronham. It's been it's been a yeah. while actually. Let's do it. Let's do it. Dante's Peak. Love that film. Very exciting. Yeah. 
Weirdly, the last time I saw Bronholm was we watched the the King's Coronation concert. We watched like a bit of that. Um, and there was like a VT of him talking about how the King is a good actor and a pianist and something. And I'm like, what? Oh. what is this? So yeah, he was on that. That's extremely strange. When has he been hanging out acting with the King? I know. Very cool. Yeah. Um, right. Anyway. I don't begrudge him it because I love no. him dearly. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> and also um, Taffin. And and Taffin, of course. Um, so, um, anything else you want to say about Congo? I don't think so. I think we covered it. Yeah. Are you serving that Ava Martini? Oh, who's Kafka? That was one of my favourite bits. Oh, yeah. that was very good. They've been uh, they've been arrested and they're being like interrogated. And he says, "This is a bit Kafkaesque." And the guy's like, "Who's Kafka? Who's Kafka?" <laughs> I also liked. Um, oh, oh, Claude. That's an unusual name. And then the person going, well, have you ever been where I live? No. Well, how, what the hell do you know about it then? <laughs> really great moment, that. <laughs> There's a lot of like quite snarky, weird dialogue like that, yeah, wasn't there? Where it yeah. came, sometimes came out of nowhere, but did just about worked. Absolutely. Yeah. There were some, yeah, some interesting moments here. I think um, the score is very good. It's not John Williams, but you could be forgiven for thinking that it was, I suppose. It's his brother, Jim. Oh yeah, Jim Williams. Jim, Jim Williams. <laughs> Jim Congo. <laughs> Jim Jim Congo. Um, yeah, no, I agree. The 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 score's good. Score's uh, score is is fine. It matches the movie well, doesn't it? And I wanted to note the screenplay was by John Patrick Shanley. Now, can you remember w- what he has cursed us with on this podcast before? Oh, what's he done? But he's well, done some good stuff, hasn't he? That name sounds familiar for something good. That he's done. We've done. We've covered two films that he's written before. Can you remember either of them? No, the name sounds familiar, and I've, I'm getting good vibes from the name. So, so the, what's the, the first one? one was Moonstruck. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, Moonstruck which he wrote, was great. but did not direct. But unfortunately, the second one was Wild Mountain Time, which no he wrote way. and directed, which is atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> what a great film jamie dornan terrible film with wet jamie dornan being wet <laughs> all the time and christopher and walken being christopher walken. from both ireland and new jersey at the yeah. same time new new ireland yeah <laughs> i'll link to that episode Amazing. i think that was a good one but yeah so he's got an interesting filmography if nothing else but yeah i saw his name when the credits rolled i was like really oh that's cool that is cool so um, the music is by Jerry Goldsmith, <laughs> who did um, Star Trek and Rambo, Logan's Run, okay. loads of really famous stuff. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, so um, I don't really have any trivia to share, really, apart from, yeah, Only Hudson said that this is one of the favourite characters of his career, possibly the best. Um, the diamonds were actually diamonds borrowed from a diamond mine. Um mm. But they're uh, they're quartz crystals, apparently. Right. Okay. Um, but they looked enough like diamonds and are also massive. So, um, and uh, yeah, so I thought that was that was interesting that they didn't use real diamonds, and of course they didn't use real gorillas, but instead they had um, they had people in gorilla suits. No, but they were very convincing. I I I thought it was very very good actually on that side of thing. All the props and the effects. Very, very good, and hold up, hold up well for a film that's nearly twenty years old. I thought thirty yeah. years old, sorry. And and apparently they were planning to use a similar kind of setup as Jurassic Park with that computer imagery, um, but because gorillas are hairy, they couldn't handle hairiness, <laughs> so they had to scrap it and instead use models and people in people in suits. Well, that's your trivia. Yeah. They considered doing the same thing as Jurassic Park, but then they remember that dinosaurs aren't real, so they could do do things differently. (laughs) (laughs) And did you know that uh, Hugh Grant could have been the lead in this movie? What? And Robin Wright could have been the other lead. Okay, So we could have had a very, very different cast, but those two, I think, could have done really good jobs. But I'm happy with the cast that we got. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to have seen Hugh Grant as Hermica Homolka. (laughs) That would have been good, actually. I could see him playing a similar character to his character from Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. Would have would have been good. You know what? I um, want to see that again. I'm waiting for it to come yeah, to streaming. That was good, wasn't it? And uh, oh, a final bit of trivia. Sorry, whilst I remember, Jimmy Buffett has a cameo. 
Oh yeah, he's the film. He's the uh, plane pilot. Oh right, yeah. So yeah, Jimmy Buffett has a little cameo in this movie. But that's it. That's it from me. Um. So how are we gonna how are we gonna rate this? Let's see. How many angry apes attack you when you find the lost city of Zinge? Oh, so I get a, I I am definitely dead because there's a full fourteen angry apes attacking me. Yes, m- me too. I I completely agree with that. Yeah, there's a there's a very vicious gang of apes. Yeah, you've got got your whole face torn off. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, we know what we're doing next. It's it's going to be volcano <laughs> month. Volcano month. Love so wait, it. it's going to be Dante's Peak, volcano. And what are the others? Skyflight was that the one with um, Jason Isaacs? Did you want to do yeah, that one? Yeah, the Jason Isaacs one. And then shall we do one of the highbrow documentaries? Oh yes, you mentioned to pretend the that to pretend that we're smart. Yeah. To pretend that and we're clever we... <laughs> boys who don't so, laugh. At, so yeah, so maybe if we films. do Dante's Peak, Volcano, then the documentary, and then we finish on Jason Isaacs. Yeah, sounds good. And then and then we'll get on <laughs> we'll get onto the. The animal movies. <laughs> I'm genuinely very excited to see Dunstan checks in, but I can wait. It's, it's going to be fine. <laughs> it will get I'll, there. Yeah. We've only got a month to get through. My excitement will only build when I watch Pierce Brosnan running up the side of a volcano, going yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. If you watched Congo, hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't, go and check it out. It's definitely worth your time. Um, there is a link in our show notes to where you can give us money. It's like a virtual tip jar. You can find us on Twitter at BigBoysDon'tPod. Emails BigBoysDon'tCryPodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to talk about Dante's Peak. Indeedy. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.